This is Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast, a podcast about, you guessed it, nonprofit fundraising. This isn't the first podcast about it, but definitely not like any others you've listened to. This is a podcast for fundraisers by fundraisers. No boring charts or the same stale best practices you've heard for years. No ideas that only work in theory here. No concepts from people who aren't in the same trenches as you are every single day. Each week, you'll get practical strategies and tips to craft messages that engage donors and raise more money. This isn't smoke and mirrors. Everything has been pressure tested in the real world. Plus, you can start using them as soon as the episode ends. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Thomas and Steve Thomas. Hello. Welcome to episode 24. Almost at quarter of a century. We're yeah. getting there. Yeah. Mailbag episode number two. Woo-hoo. Yeah, we did it. Oh, actually, they did it. Oh, well, anyway. I guess that's true. But either way. Yeah. Questions. Questions. That's cool. I'm your host, Ryan Thomas, Vice President at Oneicity. And I'm Steve Thomas, CEO and one of the founding partners of Oneicity. Oneicity is a boutique ad agency. We focus on fundraising and marketing for nonprofits. And our team measures their time in the business doing this work. In decades, and the company itself, you know, our team of Avengers, we've been around for well more than a decade. Mm-hmm. And you and I started this podcast because we ended up, you know, we just would talk fundraising all the time in places we really shouldn't, because as you know, this work doesn't stop. It goes well after office hours are over, well after the work week is done. And we just realized we had a podcast without having one, so we started one. Yeah. We grabbed some mics. And we want to get more of your questions uh, at podcast at com. This is where the good questions make it into a mailbag episode. Depending on how many good questions we get, maybe, maybe a bad question will make it in. You never know. How do you judge good and bad questions? You just like them. Yeah, I can't, I, I, yeah. I can't really say. Yeah. Um, yeah, so send, sending questions, we can do a mailbag number three, number four. Um, those are just a lot more fun to do sometimes than picking a topic and, and going at it. Uh, give us your five-star reviews, four-star reviews, three and a half is fine. Wherever you are listening to your podcast right now, if you're watching on video, like and subscribe, hit the buttons, do all the things. It's over there. It's right here-ish. There we go. Close enough. Like and subscribe, five-star reviews, give us an actual review. If you give us a three and a half, tell us what yeah. you'd like to hear more of or less of. If, yeah. if it's less of Steve, we can make that work. Everybody wants <laughs> less of me. That's right. Uh, so first, we always want to focus on practical things. And even though we're doing a mailbag episode, that's not going away. So something you should be doing, you got to try this. Uh, we're still going to have it. And I'll go first. In this one, you, mine is kind of weird. You should get outside of fundraising. So spend, a lot of people are looking to get out of that. <laughs> okay, I, okay. I don't mean you should leave the industry, oh, but okay, okay. you should you, you you should get out of it and advertising in in what you're doing. You're talking about. You're reading. You're right. Like, 
Don't still let it. Yet. Come on. Don't let on. it consume your life. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Because this, the, and even if, even in a well-meaning, because a good fundraiser, we talk about, you want to read these things, you want to follow these things, try these things, and that can end up becoming everything you do in a day, especially juggling life, mm-hmm. family, kids, you know, whatever it is. And not only, even if you have good work-life balance, if if all of that is just fundraising, you're losing a lot of opportunity to come across and find the good ideas. And uh, we talk about it a lot, but the example that jumped out to me was Formula One racing. And uh, there's a team that's family run called Williams, and they've been family run for 50, 60 years. And uh, their last leader was the daughter and had just come in it. And it had been an established team when she was born. And that was all she knew. And she went to school, she went to college or uni. And, but this is all she did. And so when things weren't going well, she had no other experience to draw on. Yeah. Yeah. To say, we ought to do it this way. And they had then sold to a hedge fund, but the point of that isn't the money and the influx. It's now there are guys coming in who are saying, well, because of my experience doing this widget technology here, let's think around the corner this way. Mm-hmm. And because she had grown up in on this ship going this direction, she was an expert in shepherding it and guiding only, it. Only saw this one part of it. Yeah. And as long as it was moving that direction, she could keep it on the rails. But as if the wind, the winds shifted, she couldn't actually steer it. Yeah. And that, uh, in fundraising, there are good ideas to find in fundraising. We so often, uh, one of our segments is mail that we get, but some of the best ideas we've had, or some of the best ideas our team has had comes out of things that aren't fundraising. Yeah. Started somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then you there. adapt it. Yeah. So get out of fundraising. Yeah. That's the headline. Well, you, you draw constantly on your, your tech and software experience before you came into the company as it is. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's just, you know, that, that's a natural if, thing. And if you don't have those, you can't say, well, I'm going to think outside the box on the, it. If you don't have those experiences, those synapses can't tie yeah. things together and you can't so, think of that. So if you don't have a career, if you if you don't want to leave fundraising <laughs> to come back, <laughs> what do you recommend? Follow, look for accounts to follow that are business tech related. Um, you may want to go to, to guys who do summaries so that you don't have to just figure out what they're talking about or read tech business books. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of histories. So you can, you can read histories of successful companies that have solved problems and learning about those experiences that these guys and gals went through to fix things or figure this out. Not the next day. Don't, don't read it really fast tonight, knowing it's going to solve that problem that's bugging you tomorrow. It's not going to help you figure out how to do that. But in two weeks, two months, it's going to fire. Well, and that's our friend Roy Williams down in Austin, the ad guy, um, talks constantly about the need to learn from something outside of your experience. And the classic example he's, he always cites is how Henry Ford discovered, or not discovered, but figured out how to use uh, an assembly line um, no. uh, by looking at a Chicago stockyard where they deassembled cows. We'll tell that another. We'll tell oh, that story another time. Okay, but, but it, it, it's great, and it's it's just a great example of 
looking across the fence at another industry or another something, another another history, another whatever, and and looking at how they do what they do, not even trying to apply it yet. Just just study and look at what they do. Uh, I wow. love that. That's a great idea. Okay, mine, and this is I knew this was going to happen eventually. Mine's an F one <laughs> too. Um, Formula <laughs> okay. One has become a little bit part of our lives. Um, um, uh, I I I'm new to Formula One. And mm-hmm. as a non-rich European dude, it's hard for me to understand exactly how this works. Um, and so I found an explainer. And we were talking about that mm-hmm. this weekend about, you know, it's like, oh, I didn't understand that worked. Oh, that. And so this is, even though I'm trying to be deep in it, in this uh, maybe three screen long uh, explainer, there were three significant things about Formula One I didn't understand and on one of them, I thought I understood it, but I was wrong. The other two, I wasn't it wasn't even in my head. The 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 connector and, there is and well, and so what they explained to you had a positive in. It's not just oh, I didn't know that, but that actually now impacts. Oh and, yeah, and improves it it, the way you watch it, yeah, the sport. Yeah, which has uh, very little to do with fundraising until you say most of your donors need an explainer about how you do your work. Now, okay, unpack that. Yeah, so uh, one of our clients, I'll give an example, is a domestic violence uh, shelter for for women and children. And one of the things that we built for them was something that explains how they work with children who have experienced trauma like this, and it explains the things they do and the whys and how Mm. they go about it. And... In each of the, they're not steps, but in each component, they, it is, there's a description of here's what we do, then there's the here's why, and then there, here's why that's important. And uh, over and over again, I encounter uh, organizations that have deep, big work. And donors, as they come into the organization, they don't need the explainer. Because they they have probably just bought in at a superficial, an emotional level, at a starting place. And your job is to build a relationship, mm-hmm. help them understand more about what you're doing, continue to help them connect to the cause. Well, an explainer is not something you you say, okay, now you're at step three on the donor journey. And here's, that becomes that's where we send the explainer. Here's your right? explainer <laughs> yeah. packet. But but it can be something that if someone is getting interested that you put on the website, you make available, you allow them to if uh, to 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 access it as they're ready. One of the, the worst mistakes you make to, for an adult is teach them before they're ready. One of the best things you can do is when an adult is ready to learn, provide them resources for them to learn on their own. So develop a simple explainer of why you do what you do the way you do it. And that will benefit you as you're working your way into a a relationship with either a new donor or here's what you'll find. These are people who've been with you for the life of your organization practically who still don't understand some of the things in there. And I think it's a good idea to put it on the website because that allows you to let a donor self-select when exactly if yeah. they 
don't need it, they yeah. won't go to that yeah. page. And once you create that content, then those can be little chunks that you can yeah, that, that sprinkle all over the place. And everywhere. It becomes social content. Yeah, emails. Yeah. E-newsletters. Yeah. So. Explainers. All the things. All the things. All right. So, question time. Uh, we split up our questions, but we didn't talk about order. Yeah. So, I'm just going to go first. I like that. So my, my first question, question number one is I've read and heard that I need a strategy to go after millennial donors, but I'm not one. And the only one in my department doesn't have any ideas. So where do I start <laughs> in short, uh, to start a millennial strategy, you may want to start by stopping. You'll, you'll hear lots of speeches, Ted talks. Uh, seminars. We've talked about the maddest I've seen yep. you in a long time. Yeah. It's coming uh, out of one of those. <laughs> you, you can find, you know, print, uh, verbal, in per all of these things talking about how to fundraise to millennials. Here's what millennials want. And this is what millennials care about. Nine times out of 10, they are conducted or written by an old. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that is the maddest. Um, I've been probably maybe professionally, at least recently is coming out of a seminar telling me, cause I'm a, I'm a millennial, I'm a ger geriatric millennial, uh, telling me what I cared about in changing the world and, and causes. And like two of them applied to me. And it's not to say that those things don't apply to a millennial or some millennial, yeah. yeah. but you can't take any step. Nobody's telling you, here's what boomers care about. Here's what you no other generation is being painted with such a wide brush. And let's just put that aside. Going after a millennial may not even be what you want to do right now anyway, because a lot of millennials, again, there's an arc of who was born when, but millennials have gone through at least one huge financial crisis. Some of them too. Yeah. And I read or I saw a headline that um, I think it's 25% of millennials expect to rent for their entire life and never own a home. Yeah. And um, that's just a, a symptom or a data point. But millennials at this point don't have the income, the giving potential to make it worth going at them specifically getting a millennial fundraising coordinator, developing a full millennial funnel and millennial fundraising strategy with an app. Yeah. With, with an app to go after them. That, that just doesn't, that just doesn't matter. And that doesn't work right now, but all right. And play out is part of what you're saying. Right? Not even close. Okay. But I get the, I think all of this unicorn rainbow chasing is in the idea of, I want my organization to be around for the next 40, 50 years. Good plan. Those people over there, these millennials are going to be, who's coming forward on the conveyor belt. I want to make sure I don't stop acquiring donors, which yeah. that's a smart strategy. Right. However, it's not time to go at them right now. You're going to waste, you're going to waste money on a specific strategy for them. So to get a millennial donor, just be ready when they fall off the conveyor belt and they have the giving potential. And to do that, the things that will make that easy to do without having to do anything separate are focus on authenticity 
and demonstrating the impact for the cause, not as much on you, but we are doing this. This is happening because of all the giving. I don't get into what all millennials like, but some of the things that have rung true and people I've talked to, it seems like these could be things that might be semi-universal across millennials. Other, is other. They care about authenticity. They want an organization to not be stuffy and corporate. They want an organization who's down in in the gutter and the foxhole, getting things done, making change. And they want to know that the organization they're partnering with is making a change. It's not the middleman. Don't want to waste our money there because we don't have as much money as everybody else. We want to make a change. So be authentic in your messaging and demonstrate the impact you're having. Huh? Weird. That's what we've advised you to do on this podcast anyway. Well, and I was just sitting here as a, yeah, what are you? Really old baby boomer, <laughs> but I'm not a geriatric <laughs> anything. Um, it makes me so mad. <laughs> um, uh, boomers uh, follow track with a, a lot of those by you know the fancy schmancy guys who do this. But to your point, funny if if you focus on the right things in your fundraising message and don't worry quite as much about hitting all the buttons over on millennials, some of which if you hit those strongly, the boomers are going to go, I mean, my yeah. generation are going to go, well, mm -hmm. that's not, those aren't my people, which candidly you, you're stuck with us for yep. a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. We're dying as fast as we can, but you know, it's just, it's going to, it's going to take some time. So the way to start a millennial strategy is don't just be authentic, <laughs> show everyone the change you're making and when they're ready, they'll come to you. Yep. You're never going to make any money on your millennial, sell nope. your millennial strategy like nope. that. But it's a good plan. Just be, stay tuned for the Oneicity millennial strategy because ours is the one that's going to work. <laughs> three, easy, three easy payments of $99.99. <laughs> we'll tell you how to get all the youngins. <laughs> youngins. Are you just going to keep rolling? Because nah, I mean, you're rolling. I, 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 I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> I think I've used all of my... Uh, Okay. Oh my um, vitriol. Uh, <laughs> making vitriol by the gallon. Okay. Um, this question, and I'm, and I'm glad we've agreed to uh, kind of trim up all the fluff around some of these questions because uh, there was a couple of nice things said here. Yeah, yeah we don't need but to. But there, there was a terse one, and I try not to read too much into I, it. I heard this, curse words. No, terse. Like, Whoa. Terse. Okay, this one, this one is one of the terse, terse ones. Hey guys, I need to explain consequences more. I think I get it, but then I'm not sure. Okay. So consequence first is one of the four pieces of, of the fundraising messaging scaffold we talk scaffolding we talk about. So you, you state a problem, you say here's the solution that we the organization are supplying. Here's donor how you can be a part of it. Here's how you can participate. And then finally, consequence is the if if we aren't doing this, if this problem isn't solved, here's the bad that can happen. Again, the reminder, any order, just all four need to be present. Um, not, it's not a strict recipe you have to follow in and how much of this and how much of that. Just it, make all four present as you present your uh, fundraising offer. Uh, consequence. So, so think about, uh, and, and what typically happens is in consequence, you'll, you'll veer one of two directions. You will go full on guilt, 
um, you know, I jokingly talk about children are going to die and people are going to go to hell, right? And yeah. Yeah. Kind of I mean, covers it. Well, um, probably down a notch from that. Back that. A little yeah, bit. just a little bit. I mean, even if those are true, okay, let's just say those are true. There are other ways to talk about mortality. There are other ways to talk about eternal issues. And so uh, I, I, because I didn't get, you were so terse, I didn't get any information about <laughs> what you do. So it, it's hard to give examples of that, but the way to do it is to think about, go to the problem and think about if this problem continues unabated for the next year, mm. five years, what does that mean? Or if in the next year, a hundred more families experience this problem, what will it mean to them? What will it mean to their neighborhood? What will it mean to their city? What will it mean to the next generations? And you, you just play that out in a, in a brainstorming, creative way, writing all the things down. And then you put it against the solution that you, the organization, provide. And you just want to be sure your solution is going to at least address or touch or be connected to that before you give a consequence in that that you don't uh, address with your solution. Because you can't, you can't beat all things to every nope. consequence you can imagine, right? And so uh, some of the examples we, we have done in various other times is if, say, you're doing clean water somewhere and you, you don't want to dive deep into the various um, uh, parasites and the problems that are, that are associated with that, but you do want to just call out dirty water has these negative mm -hmm. effects on the life of a family, on a, a child growing up, the consequences for brain development, for body development, impact on healthcare, impact on the family's ability to raise uh, crops or to provide for themselves. The so just play those things out. Then, then you're going to start seeing some some constellation of ideas that are going to coalesce, and you begin you begin to throw uh, some creative juices at that to kind of think that through. Then, then test it. Does this make sense? Will, will a donor understand and connect with it? So it is about get your consequences from an, the unabated problem. Yeah. If I still didn't answer it, tell me what you do and I'll play the yeah, game. Yeah, we'll give, we'll give an example. Yeah. yeah. Unless you run a sloth sanctuary. Yeah, still waiting for that, that uh, email. Hopefully, one of these days. But not, we don't want to hear from an attorney. Yeah, no, not an attorney. Um, anybody else? So mine is not quite that terse. Uh, we have our big annual event in late October. How do I plan for that right now? Good luck. In person? Online? Hybrid? And then an extra question mark. I'm not really sure where that's supposed to go, but just a couple extra question marks. So like you... I don't know what you, what you do, um, dear listener, but change is going to be the only constant mm. we are going to run into in the next year or so. And especially between now and late October, right now it's, it's late August. I would look first back at the past. Mm. So last year, you said it was a, an annual event in your question. So I assume you did something at this time last year. So I am just kind of bet it was all online. Maybe not, but if you went all online last year, did it work? Did it do well? Yeah. Or did it do well enough that it, it can be tweaked? 
and start with that as your base. Because if it went really well, we saw lots of, of people and then clients who did online events and actually aren't really interested in going back to paying a caterer <laughs> and, um, Renting and, a, a hall. and a facility. <laughs> yeah. But there are some who still kind of want to do that. So look at what last year did and how that went and tweak off of that. Another thing you can do is uh, not instead of that, but in addition to is talk to some of your closest donors to try to put feelers up to what people are thinking because your, your community is going to be different than other communities around the country, people listening and the appetite for in person or not is going to change and is going to be different because you don't want to be tone deaf. You don't want to make a bad decision that has ramifications, not getting into that, but you don't want to make the wrong decision online or in person outside of fundraising and uh, hybrid that could attract people of the, well, that's, that's the best of both worlds. Let's just do that. Well, you're paying a caterer at this point, something you're paying some sort of facility there. That's an outlier of cost and capital that might not be worth it. So I'm really glad I'm not in the event planning business True. right now. Yeah. No offense to anybody who is, yeah. but for your event, uh, listener, look in the past, look at what you did last year as a starting point, maybe do that exact same thing. See what people are talking about wanting. If it's a big annual event, your close donors know it's coming up and have thought about it and go from there. Um, would love to hear how it goes. Or if you have a follow-up question, please let us know. Yeah. I, and I would add, um, I was just thinking about all the, the client calls I have been on, which are basically a different set than you have been on. And, uh, geography matters mm -hmm. a lot. What is happening in your area may be one of the more significant issues mm -hmm. because as, as we've talked to clients around, they're dealing with not only different uh, rules, but their populations of, of donors uh, with local they, clients. They just think different. They're, they're having different thoughts, which I, I think is so interesting because it plays to one of the things that we have that, that mm -hmm. begin when it's the began with is that your donors in this locale cannot think about you the same way donors in another uh, locale think about another organization, even if in theory the two organizations are exactly alike. There aren't apples to apples. They are not. Nothing is apples to apples in fundraising. And nope. the other thing you should know about this, I, sh I should have said this up front, you should know somebody's going to be mad no matter what you do. Hmm. So the goal should not be pleasing everybody or even pleasing the loudest person. It yeah. should be to have the most successful event. However, you define that for your organization. Yeah. Yeah. Someday we'll, we gotta, we gotta do a, uh, how to handle, uh, frustrated or unhappy donors. Yeah. We should have thought we could have done that right after your donors are wrong. <laughs> yeah. Here's what to do when they get mad. Cause yeah. they heard you say that they were wrong. Yeah. Well, maybe they just don't play that episode. That's for you. All right. That's fine. Yeah, that's good. All right. Mine. Uh, my next one is, I, um, I'm still not clear on the difference between validation and thanking. It seems when I say, thank you for your gift. And then, and then I like this part. It parenthetically says, okay, I'll use the dumb sloths. Uh, uh thank awesome. you for your gift to help sloths have a home. Then I'm, both thanking and validating. Okay. Thank you for using sloths. That's awesome. Um, 
It might have been helpful to know what you really do, but okay, that's good. Uh, um, here's why that's different is, is by putting um, thank you with any sort of validation, you, you put the focus on the thank you. So I highly recommend separate sentences, mm -hmm. paragraphs, messages, impacts, so that you say, thank you for your gift received, uh, credited to this, uh, you're making a difference, duh. Your validation says your gift of $100 to help, uh, what do they say? Sloths. sloths have a home. They love sloths. Um, uh, want you to know that the, the new sloth home has uh, a mother and three little baby sloths. One of the little babies we were afraid wasn't going to make it, oh, but now is going to because it's, it's got a warm, safe home. Sue, so do you see the difference? Not only am I kind of banging on the emotion part there, I mean, it is to say very specifically, your gift did this. And I'm not saying thank you because I've already said thank you. Mm -hmm. And it's not that those are magic words you should ignore, but you're focusing on the result of the gift, not any sort of acknowledgement that it, it was received and accounted for properly. And hey, we're doing all that stuff. It's here is the difference you made. I'm feeding back to you on a stewardship wavelength. I'm feeding back to you that your gift, you should, can feel wonderful about your gift because of that. Wow. Good job. That's very validating, even <laughs> though, um, you know, yeah. Tell us what you do. If you send us a question, we can guess. Yeah, give us a, yeah, give us. Yeah. I, and, I could, I could, I, I might've made a guess off of the, 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 email, at, the, the, the yeah, domain but thing, but, and I, I didn't feel like, well, and we guess, then we're going to guess wrong and then we're going to get in trouble. Yeah, and and then I, that's yeah. when the lawyers call. Yeah. My betray confidences. All right. My last one, um, there's no way except just reading the whole thing. Um, guys love the podcast. Thank you. I'm new to my role and my organization hasn't had good giving Tuesday results recently and has basically avoided it in the past few years. Hmm. I want to have a good one, but where do I start? So first let's just get it out of the way. Giving Tuesday is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. So you have you Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Black Friday Cyber Monday. Boxing then, Day comes in there at some point. No, Boxing Day is after Christmas. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so it's the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Depending on when Thanksgiving is, sometimes that's early, early December. Sometimes it's the last day of November. Either way, Thanksgiving the next Tuesday. And it's a national push to give to nonprofits. And it's attractive to organizations because it will be in the a block every hour of good morning America today. They will be talking about Are those guys still in the air. I think so. Okay. Um, they'll be talking about giving Tuesday and big organizations will be talking about giving Tuesday. And so smaller nonprofits and especially, you know, the little Davids of the world really want to get in there. Cause this is a giving day. This is a day. There's momentum. Yeah. Ride that way. People are already thinking about giving. Yeah. It's really easy for me to slip in there and get into it. However, it, <laughs> it, it gets a better, it gets both a better reputation and a worse reputation than it deserves giving Tuesday because it gets a better reputation and that this is the best day to go after donors because everybody's ready to give. Mm. 
it, it, it isn't that good. It gets a worse reputation than it deserves because some people can say, well, it's worthless. You should just completely ignore it. You can't compete with the big guys. It's, it, it doesn't matter. It's not quite that bad. It's somewhere in the middle. So the key to your successful Giving Tuesday campaign, both this specific listener and everybody else, is to start with tying in Giving Tuesday with your mission and your cause to answer the question, why should I give to this versus the last thing you sent me or the next thing you'll send me? Mm. What about today is any different? This is a Tuesday. Why is this an important a better Tuesday, Tuesday mm. for me to give versus last Tuesday? Does my dollar count more? Uh, sometimes you can go at a donor to get a Giving Tuesday match. And that can be the advantage of this national attention Giving Tuesday gets. You can go to a donor who might not have been interested in giving a match and say, you know, Giving Tuesday's coming up. I'd like to go after people, will you give us a match? And because Giving Tuesday, they just hear that and they, they want to get in. That answers the question of why I should give to this, why this is, it, stands you out. Double your I, impact, right? Double your impact today only. Yeah. And that's, that's exciting. Um, you can say, you know, it, it is Giving Tuesday. It comes at this time of year. This time of year is really critical. These two weeks are really critical for whatever reason. You know, maybe you help kids uh, after school and school's about to be out. And we need to make sure we've got enough food boxes for kids who aren't going to have three meals a day outside of school. Or whatever it is, if Giving Tuesday ties into your message, why this Tuesday matters, that's a good campaign. That's a good idea. If it doesn't, I would say you are well served to either not send an email or address it. Just ignore it. Ignore it. Or go to Facebook and just put up a couple posts because that's essentially free through your social media intern. Basically think about, okay, is there a way we can really deeply tie giving Tuesday to us? If so, go down this path of, of a really nice, well thought out campaign. If not, either do nothing or do what is the most time and cost efficient thing. And it could just be an email that says, Hey, today's giving Tuesday. Lots of people are thinking about giving nonprofits. I hope if you do that, you will think of us and all the sloths that we help. Thank you so much. Sort of like, uh, your, your sophomore American history class in college. You just, you're just trying for a B Mm -hmm. and not to stand out. Right. I, the other thing I want to say is I think it's genius way of phrasing, uh, that giving Tuesday, uh, outsiders can think that's when money's falling from the sky and you just got to stand out out there with a bucket well, and I it's going to land it. in there. And Any idiot can raise you know, six, seven figures on Giving Tuesday. It was really good in the early days and it certainly has gotten challenging. Well, like everything else, it's the marketplace has gotten crowded. Mm-hmm. And there could be, you know, 10 years ago, there might be one or two local nonprofits yeah. talking about Giving Tuesday. That gets all the attention. Now, everybody who's gotten IRS certified is sending you a Giving Tuesday email, yeah, and yeah. it's, it's crowded. So, suddenly, a very, a very competitive place yeah. to be fundraising. Yeah, yeah, I like the, I like the way you phrased that, uh, that and I like it because it fits my bias. So it's good uh, <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah. confirmation bias. <laughs> yeah, uh, we like that. I would just like to identify it, just be yeah, upfront. We'll okay. call it out. All right, here we go. Last one. Uh, hey, Wanisti, what's one thing I can do right now to make sure we have a successful fourth quarter? We're a smallish uh, nonprofit. We raise about a million dollars a year. Our big mailer will go out in November. 
We do the usual online stuff, which is interesting to wonder what that is. An email newsletter, Giving Tuesday. <laughs> I was about to say, they should start with a Giving Tuesday <laughs> and campaign. And some year-end things. What else? Okay, so first, great question here end of August. Uh, it's a great time. First, it's impressive that uh, this person already kind of has things in place, it sounds like. That's excellent. So um, I don't think I can give you a one what else. I'm going to give you a couple of things. First, uh, listen to Ryan's uh, answer on Giving Tuesday, previous question. Um, on your mailer, no idea what you're doing there, but... but uh, Previous episode, episode 23, where we had Chris Hoots on talking about data. Uh, da the data is one of the mistakes many mailers make. They let the printer or whoever, if they're, if they're not using consultants or, or an agency, they let those guys dictate who they mail to, which can result in you mailing to people who uh, you certainly oh, have their name and address, but they're not good prospects. Or... Uh, mailing to people who uh, you, uh, somehow you've got their names and ignoring some lapsed donors. So I, I would say first, look at who you're, you're may first look at who you're contacting in the fourth mm -hmm. quarter and lay that out saying, okay, and I'm, I, it's not mentioned here, but I hope you have a major donor list or uh, you've identified some of your, your, your more significant donors. What are those people getting? Then what in the, in the fourth quarter are our general donors, our, you know, whatever you call them, sustainers, main donors, what are they getting? Uh, so you make sure you're, you're covering all your bases. And then probably the, um, the two things to do is your, your year-end things. Um, uh, we have tested a number of times on year-end stuff, and for our clients, all of whom in this test, as I recall, were Christian faith-based organizations, mm -hmm. making a big deal about taxes was a and actually... The tax, uh, tax deductibility, so, yeah, the tax yeah. refund. Uh, that, that actually chilled the results um, in, a, in really good head-to-head -head testing, and so the thing to do with year-end is call out... This is this is the year end. It is a great time to give back to your Giving Tuesday. Why should you give now? It's not about the tax deduction. Mm -hmm. Surely you've got some good reasons. Go ahead and deadline at twelve thirty one, December twelve, December thirty first. But but don't um, don't make it all about taxes unless you're very because anybody year. who's giving who's looking to park their tax deduction <laughs> in your port. They've already decided that's why they're giving and that's what they're doing. Yeah. So, so it, yeah, it, they, they're already driving in. Yeah. And, and they're usually millennials anyway. So they're, they're you know, those. <laughs> so a uh, last thing you do is examine what you're doing with major donors. And so one of the things that I would recommend is, uh, and we're doing this with almost all of our full service clients, is make sure your um, uh, uh, major donors who are whatever that is, that group is and major donors are any dollar amount. They're just the top of the pyramid in dollars that are significant to your organization. Mm -hmm. Uh, make sure they have been crisply and clearly validated for their past giving. If you haven't done that, do something in September and October 
to make sure they know, and we've done previous episodes where we've talked about how this works, make sure they know their past giving makes a difference. Don't worry about the getting dollars from that impact. If you're, if, if money is an issue and it is for all of us, send them an email. Emails mm-hmm. cost practically nothing. Just remind them they made a difference. Very specifically validate. Then make sure they get a very strong ask. One of the things that Chris Foods does uh, in major donor data is some math to be sure a, a major donor, and this is one of the techniques you can use, uh, make sure that major donor is going to give at the level they were at last year or above. And that mean, that gives you an ask you can go to. And you can even say, hey, last year you gave us $10,000 or $300. Would you do that again because of this need X? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I would do. That'll make a difference. Nice. Well, it would be better if, because we are who we are, we're going to criticize pretty much anything and everything. So when you send us your questions for the third mailbag, uh, tell us what you do. Just give us a a category. We're not going to betray any confidence. Tell us sloths, people experiencing homelessness, kids after school, that kind of thing. Yeah, just give us a category. It'll help us answer better. You'll get a much better answer. Yeah, maybe. Well, that's true. It'd be more detailed answer. <laughs> I don't know. That, yeah. Well, you'll be the judge if it's better. Yeah. Let us but, know how that works. Uh, it'll be more detailed. Okay. But this was episode 24 of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast. On our next episode, Go we're going to talk about the best way to increase your organization's footprint is by encouraging donors to get a tattoo of your organization's logo. <laughs> I like that. It'll work. It'll work. I'm Ryan Thomas. And I'm Steve Thomas. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. Tune back in next week for another fresh episode of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast.